If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. everyone this is Heather Bayer this is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast and this is my last broadcast my last podcast for 2016. Don't know where the year's gone but honestly this has to have been one of the best years ever in terms of my uh, my involvement in the vacation rental industry. You know I've been doing this for over 20, well over 20 years in one way or another. And every, every, every year is great. I mean, it really is. But, you know, I've been managing my property management company for uh, 14, 13 years. 13, oh, no, actually, it'll be 14 years in 2017 since we, uh, since we started Cottage Link Rental Management. And before that, I'd been managing properties in England and then the seven properties that uh, that I've I've had here in Ontario. Now as you probably know I'm just down to the one, the Kingfisher Cottage, plus the land we have in Exuma, which at some on at some point we're going to build. But given the current exchange rate between the Canadian and the US dollar, that is not going to happen anytime soon. So that one's pretty much in abeyance, but I'm quite happy just to to continue with what I'm doing with my one property and with sharing everything I've learned over the past 20 years with as many people as I can. So with with that in mind, I thought this last uh, episode of 2016, I would devote to a bit of a year in review, you know, what this year has been like, what was it that's made it one of the best years ever. So I really thought about it and I thought about all, you know, all different aspects of it. Me as the owner um, partner in a property management company up here in Ontario, as a uh, contributor to the Vacation Rental Managers Association and, and going to conferences, you know, just going out and meeting people and also being a guest that to me is such an important thing. If I don't go out and experience what it's like to be a guest at least a couple of times a year, I don't believe I'm keeping up with with what's happening in the industry. I've it's it's one thing being on the owner and manager side and knowing all about the technology and the new things that are coming coming up in the industry. It's a complete completely different going out and just being a guest just being a common garden normal guest the one who books your property who books your a property with your management company who comes and hopefully enjoys their vacation and goes on home to tell all their friends their family their workplace colleagues about what a great or not so great time they had so my year in review covers those three things, really. It covers what I learned from CLRM this year, 
what I learned from networking this year and what I learned from being a guest. And, and I did break it down to 10 things because we all love a list. And it means that you know how far you are on. If you're listening to this, you know that if I've, you know, when I'm starting at number one, I've still got nine more to go. <laughs> and when I get to number eight, there's only a couple left. So I, I quite like doing that list format because it's something that I like when I'm listening to uh, to podcast myself. And I do listen to a lot of them. So really in no particular order. You know, I, I didn't order this out in order of importance um, or the only order really is, and in fact, I'm looking at my list now. Um, and no, it's in no order at all. So, so I do chop and change a little bit from what we experience as a property management company, um, what I got out of networking and what I experienced as a guest. So take it as it comes. Um, of course, I'll, as ever, I'll have everything on the show notes, anything I mention, any links, uh, links to previous podcasts that you might want to pick up and listen to because they relate to all of this. I'll put everything in the show notes. And of course, as ever, I'm not going to say this at the end, I'll say it at the beginning. I love you to come along and comment on the uh, on the show notes because it's so important to to me and my team that's including Mike um, to get the feedback to find out what you think what you want and you know at the end of this podcast I'm going to ask you to let me know who you want me to interview for 2017 because I want to make this mega list and then start connecting with people um, you know I know a lot of people have said that they do find the interviews with other owners to be really, really valuable. And I really want to get into that. So um, I'll be talking about that at the end. Okay, let's kick off. Um, as I say, in no particular order, um, number one out of the 10 things I learned in 2016. Number one, it, 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 this one is with me every single day. And it is the Wi-Fi is the number one criteria in guests' wish lists. And for, for those of you who already have unlimited Wi-Fi, and I know there's a lot of you, you're in, in these wonderful areas where Wi-Fi is unlimited. You can go and stream to your heart's content. Then maybe you want to skip to number two. But for us, in areas where it's more limited, we aren't able to get the, the type of robust internet connection that you can in the middle of a city. Um, we deal with, with all sorts of different options, whether it be uh, turbo sticks or satellite connections, or as we are in this office, we have a line of sight um, Wi-Fi. We have to connect with a tower about six kilometers away. There's a big hill in the way and there's trees. And those trees are growing. And we're finding that sometimes our internet connection is a little bit more intermittent and not as strong in the summer when the trees are in full leaf. And I'm sort of despairing of what's going to happen when um, when they grow more. I mean, how, how, how tall do trees grow? Do they just keep on growing? That's, that, that's a good question because you see some of those amazing trees down in California in the redwood forest that have been there for for a long, long time. 
and they're tall, but they don't reach the moon. Um, if you get my drift, you know, I'm, and I'm that, that's just something that's on my mind about whether we're going to lose our Wi-Fi in a couple of years because the trees just continue to grow, or whether there's whether there's a sort of finite tree height. I'll have to Google that one. But the the Wi-Fi issue is a big one for us, and it has been getting more so over the past few years. And I, you know, when we heard from a guest who who booked a property and then found out two weeks before she went that it did not have Wi-Fi. She was absolutely aghast at this and and said that she hadn't even considered that it might not be available. So on our website, we if, if Wi-Fi is available, then we clearly state it. But we don't. We don't go the opposite way. We don't state this property does not have an internet connection, which is something we're going to be doing probably this year because this lady said you know should don't you people understand that wi-fi is more important than water that floored us a little bit um we were in fact able to to get her a temporary connection um now you know just going back on this story a little bit she had uh, a data plan on her phone but she was not prepared to use it um or at a very last resort, she was prepared to use it, but it was going to cost a lot, cost her a lot of money for the sort of streaming that her teenage kids wanted to do. And I completely understand this. Um, I have three teens, my niece's daughters here for Christmas, and they are 13, 15, and 17. And when I mentioned that we, we, you know, we have a good internet connection because there's no leaves on the trees, and they can they can connect to the internet but we don't have unlimited we have our, our you know we're topped at 100 gigs in a month which which for here is really really good but i know from from guests at properties that they can go through 20 or 30 gigs in a weekend with no problem and and i've got these girls coming for 3 days so i've had to tell them that they can't stream different things on all their different devices you know they've, they've just got to collaborate together just for the four or five days they're here and and just watch the same netflix program or of course they can do netflix download now so there are there are ways around it but it's just that was my number one learning this past year that wi-fi is so essential there's just no way around it. It's not going to, we're not going to go backward on this. It's not ever going to drop off. It's always going to be in high demand. So, you know, look at your, if you haven't got Wi-Fi, definitely consider getting something, something that you can offer guests, you know, even if it's a, a limited connection. Um, but if you have got Wi-Fi and you've got strict limits on it, then I strongly recommend that you go to your Wi-Fi provider and ask for the biggest package you can possibly get and and pay the 10 or $15 a month extra it's going to be. It's not a lot. Just deliver that to your guests. If you can deliver the, 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 the facility for them to stream their movies and, their, and binge watch their TV shows, then you are going to have guests for life. They will love you for it. 
So that's number one. That's Wi-Fi is the number one criteria and it should be unlimited if you can possibly manage it. Number two is I mention this every single year to my owners at uh, in, in the property management company in CLRM. Expectations are getting higher and tolerance levels are getting lower. What I mean by this is that, and I don't know where this comes from. I, I think, you know, maybe as, as, as the millennials are coming into becoming um, um, moms and dads, they're coming in with their, and I'm not, I, please, I'm not doing a downer on millennials at all. It's just a different way of thinking. You know, people in their 20s and early 30s think differently from the way I did when I was at that at that age. I didn't take things for granted, you know. Um if if something if I if I went to on on vacation in a in a rental, which we were doing at that time, there were just fewer and far between. But if if something didn't meet my expectations, I tended to to just roll with it, not make complaints, you know, hey, you know, we can deal with this. I'm finding that people's tolerance is lower. They don't want to deal with things um, as as they used to. I would, I'd, okay, in my day. always hesitate to say in my day because I hate that. But it, <laughs> as, as the years roll on, I seem to find that I'm saying it, it more and more because there are very marked differences with how we tolerated things when we were in our 20s, 30s, and maybe even early 40s than, um, than today's generation. So there's nothing wrong with that. It just means that we have to adapt. Um, and we find that, you know, complaints just come from the smallest irritations. The smallest little things can just trigger off a phone call or an email or a demand that something is done. So if complaints are coming from the smallest irritations, you've got to expect that expect big complaints for anything more irritating than a dripping tap and the i was trying to come up with some some examples but there were there were just you know there were so many from 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 this year that we heard with feedback from guests you know just just minor irritations that it was only a two slice toaster and we had we had four people and we had to wait for our toast. We couldn't ha- all have toast at the same time. I mean, that was a comment that came back in a feedback form. Um, dripping taps, yes. If there's a dripping tap, well, you know that 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 is that is very irritating. But it was we we had a complaint that um, the the next door neighbours had a diesel truck, and he would start it. He was going to work in the morning. And he would start it a few minutes before he left for work. So, yeah, I can see it was an irritation, but it came across as a a big complaint. They should have been warned that the neighbours would be disturbing them every morning with this diesel truck starting up. So what, what it comes down to is, you know, what you have to do and to, to, to alleviate these these irritations and complaints because you're not going to get rid of them altogether. It's just being prepared for them. And and I've just got three three pointers here. The first one is deal with issues promptly and with attention to detail. So, and the second is keep guests informed. Answer texts and emails within minutes and not hours because 
this is what people are expecting. They want an instant response and they value that instant response. I'll, just a little story. I, I, we, we went to a hotel in Amsterdam back in September and there was a real breakdown of communication in, in what we'd wanted as our family of six with the four adults and the two small kids. And we'd, we'd be very specific about what we wanted. We ended up with uh, two rooms with two queen beds and nothing for the children to sleep on, even though we'd, we'd asked for it. And it, it did all fall apart at the hotel. And I got into a serious argument with the reception staff about it. And it wasn't resolved. Um, I complained on Twitter. And I got an immediate response from the um, hotel's head office. I mean, immediate, minutes. That is what I was expecting. That's why I turned to Twitter to make my my issue known. Uh, and I have to say it has been, it was resolved very nicely, very promptly. It's a shame that that the situation occurred, but the fact that it was resolved to my satisfaction immediately after I notified the company that um, that I was dissatisfied restored my faith in them. Um, perhaps not so much in that particular hotel, but even so, I'd, I'd still think about going back there because I think they've I think they've dealt with it. So it's dealing with any issue promptly, keeping your guests informed, and finally, ensuring accuracy in all communications because guests expect that what they see is what they're going to get. And if you deviate from that at all, they will not be happy when they get there and find that something has radically changed. Maybe you've decided to reduce the amount of satellite channels and not offer the sports channels anymore, but you've neglected to tell them. That's a big thing. We had that with, with one of our owners this uh, this summer. Um, and of course, there's, uh, there's assumptions. You know, people do make assumptions. We had one complaint that from a guest in a cottage who said, and, and she was very vocal in her complaint and it was a hot summer last uh, this past summer and she her complaint was it was too hot and there was no ac well around about 30 percent of our cottages our waterfront cottages have air conditioning it's not something that you you get in in a waterfront property unless it's a brand new one and uh, just like wi-fi we haven't ever felt the need to put on our listings. There is no AC. That may have to change suits too. She expected there would be air conditioning. As, as she said to us, you wouldn't rent anywhere in the city and not have air conditioning. I just assumed it would be the same in the country. So we have to look at what our guests are assuming as well as what they are expecting. There's a little bit of a difference. You know, they make assumptions about what they expect should be there. So, you know, that that was, we really learned that and we're taking that into 2017, that we have to look at these expectations, these assumptions, and have to appreciate the lower tolerance level of our demographic. So really number two goes into number three, which is the importance of emergency management. Um, you know, I'm reminded every year, 
why we need an emergency management plan. We have over 2,000 rentals this year. We've seen a range of issues. Every single one of them could have been handled with a well-drafted um, emergency management plan. And we, we do meet as a company in January, February of every year. We get together, we, we do this massive brainstorm about, okay, folks, let's look at what went wrong last year and let's look forward. What, what is, what's going to happen? It's not what could happen, it's what's going to happen. A couple of the things that we had this, this past year, um, a tree fell on a, a, a guest car um, in, just parked outside the property. Um, what else happened? A guest called us to say that their friend who had booked the cottage had passed away and they wanted to know how they could cancel and get their money back. This was three days before the busiest high season week and nobody had taken out travel insurance. Another one, an accident happened. An accident happens and you're threatened with a lawsuit. We had a little girl fall through a rotted deck, a dock board. Unfortunately, you know, we, we are very, very fortunate that, that nothing came from that. I mean, the little girl wasn't injured, but it was a liability issue. And, and we, we could have certainly have been in, or the owner could certainly have um, had quite a lot of difficulty on their hands should the guest have decided to seek litig the litigation route, which many, many do now. Why, why not? It's, um, you know, th there are lawyers out there who are willing to take on your case. I mean, I, I mentioned before, I'd, I broke my wrist back in September when, uh, when the local marina pulled our boat out, our pontoon boat out of the water, as they do, as they have done every year for the past 10 years, and we were, stand we were in the back of it. And as we got up to get out, the pontoon boat shifted and fell off the side of the um, trailer. Um, and we were, you know, at that point, we're about um, eight, nine feet above the ground. So it fell, fell off, tipped both my husband and I out. Um, fortunately, I just ended up with a, with a broken wrist and bruised ribs. And, uh, and Phil, he's, he's a little bit more well padded than me. Uh, he was uh, he was completely unscathed, although had had some back ache um after it i'm not i you know i'm not one for litigation but i did call a lawyer i did call one of these ambulance chaser lawyers and ask what my options were and i eventually decided that this is a local this is a local um um marina i'm dealing with and we deal with them all the time and i am not going to proceed with this you know i'll deal with a broken wrist i won't stand in the boat anymore when we're getting it in and out of the water and I'll take responsibility um, but a lot of people don't do this so that was that's another issue you need to think of in in an emergency management plan and another one what happens if a neighbor calls to complain about overcrowding you know just think of all these I've done a podcast on emergency management and I'll put a link to that in the show notes so go back and listen to that one if you're a, um, a member of the Vacation Rental Formula, there's a complete action plan, a course on how to do an emergency management plan. So I really recommend um, Vacation Rental Formula Club members or Vacation Rental Formula members going over to that and taking a look. 
So, yep, I learned in 2016, as I do every year, how important emergency management planning is. Number four is a big one. It was, I learned how important connection and networking is. Um, this year, I went to Barcelona in March to the uh, European VRMA conference. I went to um, Chandler in Phoenix in October for the annual conference of VRMA. And of course, there was a Vacation Rental Success Summit in um, April, at the end of April in Toronto. And I'm not going to say much more about that because Mike and I will be um, you know, launching the VRSS year um, next, next week. We'll be getting together and talking about what's happening at VRSS, um, why it's important you should attend, and giving you lots more information on it. But I just want to say that I value hugely getting together with like-minded people and discussing nothing for two days about the industry and how we all fit into it and how we can help each other and connect and contribute to it. At the same time, we are getting what we want out of it. So it's it's a really it's a it's a wonderful um, sort of symbiotic relationship that we have with 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 other owners, providers, and anybody that's connected with the industry. So. Why VRSS is important, I'll just say this one thing. You may have been to the Airbnb Open or a Home Away Summit, which are fabulous. Um, I haven't been to the Airbnb Open. I have been to Home Away Summits and they're great. You know, they're, they're really well organized. The food's great, um, but they are driven by a single brand. So you're not going to hear much at an Airbnb Open. In fact, you probably won't hear anything about why you should you know, perhaps list on on. TripAdvisor over VRBO um, and anything that's related to anything other than Airbnb. And unlikely that at a HomeAway Summit, they're going to give you information on the best way of dealing with Airbnb policy issues. So this is why to get a broader view of the industry, you should consider going to a, an event that's agenda free. Um, you know, it's one, one reason I enjoy the, the VRMA it is a little bit sponsor-driven, um, but there are a lot of varying sponsors, so you are going to hear from a lot of, of different people. But certainly VRSS is, is such a powerful event to connect with everybody and anybody. So please tune in next week and, uh, and get your first taste of what VRSS 17 is going to be all about. Oh, and by the way, I do need to say that the early bird tickets for VRSS uh, are on sale just this week and you have until the 31st of December to book those tickets. If you've got any specific questions that you would like to address to me um, to help you or to Mike to help you make that decision, you know, you might just want to know what what what's involved, um, what sort of food there is. I don't know. Just ask, ask whatever question you have. Send it to me at heather at cottageblogger.com and we will answer your questions. You know, we would love to see you at VRSS. I just want to stress that this is a non-profit event. It's not, we don't make any money out of it. In fact, we were mm, a little bit behind at the end of the last one. We love connecting people and that's why we do it. It's this it's this buzz of getting people 
connected. And so because we're not driving it to get money out of it, you know, if we're, if we're lucky, um, we might get something to pay us for a little bit of time we spend on it, but nothing like the, the year that Mike spends putting it together. Um, so, so yeah, if you've got a question, just, uh, just let us know and we will get that answered for you. And, um, I, I will get back to you quickly if you've got um, questions on VRSS, if you want to take advantage of the early bird tickets that um, that, that that price will expire at, um, I think Mike's got it at midnight on the 31st. So as we go into 2017, the price of the tickets is going up. Okay, number five, research carefully. So you don't end up with something that doesn't do what you want it to do because you are blinded by the hype. Now, that probably tells you that... Um, I'm one that gets sidetracked by shiny new things. And I'm, I'm a marketer's dream. I'm the impulse buyer. And, you know, we recently did a tech clear out. Um, we were we we're actually creating a video studio in the office. And there were cupboards and cupboards in there just filled with stuff. And it was stuff I hadn't seen for years. And I am embarrassed to to even look at the amount of new tech gadgets that we have in there um, that they've never been used because in the end it just didn't match up to the hype. I mean, there's a reason why authors pay so much attention to the front cover of a book and the synopsis because people make the decision to read based on the appeal of those, which is just the same as, as anybody selling a product. They're going to splash everything across the front page and tell you how amazing it is. But if it doesn't meet the expectations you're going to be unhappy with it. So whether it's a new website, and I'll come back to my website a bit later, um, because we've recently, let me just see if that's in my, oh, actually, it's not in my uh, my 10 points now. I did have it in there, but I took it out. So, you know, we just launched a new website for CLRM. I didn't do my research well enough before we chose the company to um, to design the site for us. And although we have something that, in the end, we are happy with, it's, you know, if in hindsight, I would have chosen another company. I mean, we've done a lot of um, adaptation, uh, learned a lot to enable us to do it ourselves. So it's just important that you do that research because it's not just the money, it's the time spent on it. And I know we, we looked at a couple of companies and one that we just we sort of blew it out of the water because it was, it was about 40% more expensive than the one we ultimately went for. Now, in hindsight, I look back and I think I spent that 40% in time and still am spending it in time and additional resources to create the website we actually really, really wanted. Whereas I think if we'd gone with the higher, the, the company with the higher quote, they would have done that job, freeing me up, freeing my time up to do the stuff that, that, that actually makes more money for us. So whether it's for a new website, a reservation management system, or a funky new app that's going to change the way you do things, 
promise yourself you'll do the research first. You know, it, as I say, it's not just the money, it's the time spent on it. And when you think about it, there's so many apps and add-ons being offered, you know, particularly in the Airbnb startup space. So you've got to be really, ex really selective about what you spend that time and money in. Um, this also goes for, for courses and um, resources, other resources that you might spend, um, you, know, you might invest in. That research really is massive value. So if you can spend a week, at least several days on the one thing, the one new thing you're looking for, ask the questions. Don't just ask the questions of the company. Ask the questions of the people who are using it. Um, reviews aren't good enough. You've got to get in touch with them, speak to them, and find out what was good about the process or the product or the resource or the software and what they don't like about it. And don't let the company give you the names. Um, we've, we've had this before. We've, we've gone to a company who said, oh, you know, we're in, interested in your product. Um, I'd like to talk to some of your, your clients. And they've said, yes, go to this person, this person, this person. And I now say, no, no, no. You give me, or somehow, I see, they won't give you the names of the people who are unhappy and who've, who've quit. Um, I'm sure the company that, that, did, that, that we went with five or six years ago to do as a new website and... It, it all fell apart at the last minute and we lost a huge amount of money on it. I don't think that company's sharing our name. Um, so somehow you need to find um, the users. The, the connection and networking with others is where you get a lot of your research done because you do hear about what people like and what they don't like. Okay, number six. Guests, you know, this may not come as a surprise to you that guests still don't read the manual or the directions or any instructions you give them. And, you know, this is a timeless complaint. We, we hear it year in, year out. They don't read what you send them. Um, here's, here's a couple of examples from last year. We had three groups of guests at separate times turned up at our office because they didn't input the right address into their GPS. Now, on one occasion, I was, and I have to give you a little bit of background here as to where my office is. It's two hours east of Toronto. It's way out in the country. There are properties around and about it, but equally, there are properties six or seven hours away. And that's what happened to one group of guests who turned up, who's, uh, they asked the nephew, to put the directions into the GPS and he just looked at the address at the bottom of their statement of account, which of course is our registered office address. Put that address in and hey presto, the full family turned up outside our door and came to the door and said, we think we've rented this place, but it doesn't look like it was in the pictures. And I very politely explained that no, this was the office. And it seems that somebody made a mistake on the input of an address. And I asked them where they were going. And he said, oh, we're going to this place. It's called whatever it was in some place called the Bruce Peninsula. And my heart dropped. 
You know, this was a Saturday afternoon. You've got a, a van with with parents, grandparents and kids in it, piled up with stuff. They've just driven two hours east and I now have to tell them they have another five hours of driving to go back the same way they came, back through Toronto and then go three hours north. Um, then it happened twice more. And we, we now are sending out to all our guests the day before or a couple of days before a reminder about the address and where and, and what they should input into their GPS if they should input anything at all because some of our properties are too much, too rural to, uh, to check out through their GPS. Um, what else do we have? Complaints about a fridge not working because they hadn't read the instructions about not turning down the thermostat when they got there. Um, people missing garbage collection days because they didn't read the instructions on how to do their garbage. And the big one this last summer, the guests who forgot which day they were meant to leave. And we had, the, fortunately, the owner arrived to do a changeover. Um, there was nobody at the property, but it was really apparent that nobody had even thought about leaving. So we had to track down the guests who, were, who had gone off for a day trip. And they had seriously forgotten what day they had to leave it was it was a saturday and they just assumed that they were leaving on the sunday because it was the end of the weekend so those are you know those are fun examples but what's the solution is the one well we all need reminders um but how we do it it's you know it, it comes down to your demographic how do you know how they're going to access information um, what we are doing now is an essential information sheet. It's, we, we put it within the body of an email, sent a couple of days before they leave. We send it to them as an attachment. They can have it on their phone. They can download it as a PDF. And it's a single sheet that provides the instructions we, we want them to know, which is the check-in and out days and times. Um, and some of the really important instructions like, you know, the fridge is set at the best temperature. Please don't adjust or it may jam the system and stop working. Um, here are the garbage disposal details. We give septic warnings because all our properties have septic tanks and we don't want septic backups. And then an in case of emergency contact. So, you know, it's the best you can do. But you've got to keep it always in the back of your mind that guests still don't read. You know, they're on vacation. They go into vacation mode, vacation mind. And it's not the same as their working mode. So, you know, just help them out. Help them out as much as you possibly can. And even if it, maybe it's a phone call the day before or a quick text just to say, you know, if you've got their cell number, you can send them a text just to say, just to remind you of the address that you're going to. Um, you're unlikely to have people turn up at your house. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just an example that we have because it, it's something that we, we we still have difficulty with year on year. OK, my next three are from my experiences of being a guest in this year in several properties. Um, we went to Exuma in 
February on my you know our standard winter trip we went out and stayed in a nice little apartment overlooking our land in Exuma and uh, and had a, a really nice 10 days away um, not really mentioning that one because I'd been before and I've talked about it before um, we also went to uh, Germany for my son's wedding we stayed in um, a little townhouse beautiful place in um, a very small town in the north of Germany we went to England and met up with um, a bunch of friends and relatives and had an absolute ball for for um, three days, three days of reunion with a ton of people. And that was that was a great spot, too. And then thirdly, we we well, we finally went on to Cyprus. And and had a week's holiday in Cyprus, and that was myself and my husband, Phil, Mike and Andrea and their two kids. So it was like when you think about it. I looked at these two little children, two years and four years old, seven flights in all that we did, and they were amazing. Um, but it was it was very helpful that the um, that the properties we stayed in um, helped us out. And this is one of my things that I learned that if you have children come to your property, provide as much as you can to make it easy for mom and grandma. Because you've got to remember that grandmas are often there doing a ton of stuff. From simple things like plastic plates and plastic cups, you know, just just have a couple of of frozen plates or pet, uh, Paw Patrol cups and plates. That is that is going to make kids really really happy. And you might have your child's placemats, that sort of thing. It's very inexpensive, not going to take up much space and and can have real value in terms of the feedback you get from guests. Um, children's toys and games, outdoor items in particular. The place we went to in Germany had had an amazing playground for children. It wasn't huge, but it had a sand pit and, and um, uh, a swing set. The kids, the, the the little ones, were out there all day long when we weren't when we weren't going out. And the moment we came back in, even after a day out, they went straight into the play play park, as they called it. It was just just as I say, a smallish smallish area. I have to say, we went to two places. One that had a petting zoo. The place in England had, was was on a working farm, and they had a petting zoo. And and the farmer came out and and gave an hour long tour around the petting zoo. For, for all the kids that were staying in the complex. That was fabulous. So off you go, get some chickens, get some ducks and a few sheep, and that will keep the children happy. Or as in Germany, the place we went to in Germany, they had the most amazing garden, and at the end of it there was a deer yard, and there were seven deer in this in this yard. So uh, I had a deer on my front lawn this morning, so I'm thinking about maybe I corral it and and make a nice little yard down <laughs> down at my cottage to put the deer in. Um yeah, that's not that's that's not going to happen, but just just think about, you know, how you can entertain, how you can help. We're not asking you to entertain kids. How you can help the families that come to your property entertain the children that come with them because it makes their vacation even better. So, a couple of things, things like pool noodles. If you've got a pool, please provide pool noodles. They are, they're just invaluable. Um, booster seats, 
just for, you know, for for sitting at the table. If you've got a normal dining table, then just buying a couple of those little booster seats that that can and in fact you can almost you can get the inflatable ones, um, so they don't take up any space at all. Um, so so kids can sit at the table. Baby gates. If you've got any um, stairs where it's it's going to be a concern for a mom that that a child is going to go tumbling down the stairs, we'll provide a baby gate. You don't have to have it up all the time. Just have it there for them. Video cameras. You know, in, in my day, going to say it again, we just put the kids to bed and that was it. You know, we we we, we hoped they were there in the morning. Um, Mums these days, and I know that Mike and Andrea have, have used a video camera in their kids' rooms for, you know, for, for ever, ever since they were born. If you can set up a little video system, if, if you have plenty of kids come, maybe, you know, small kids in particular, they're in, they're in an unfamiliar environment. It's, it's tough for um, mums to leave their, you know, to, to set their kids down to sleep and then they get worried about what they're doing. So if you've got a video camera set up and they can Bluetooth into it, then you know that's just, just something that you can perhaps do. Really have a think about the ages of the kids that are coming to your place and cater for them. It will, it, it will just blow you up in the eyes of, the, of, of your owners as you know, really caring and uh, in the eyes of your guests, I'm sorry, uh, as, as really caring and attentive owners. And it's, it, it's not a big investment. Number nine, I think I've mentioned this one before, but, you know, it, it comes back to me as a learning point every year, how important tech charging space is. And it may seem like a, you know, this, this is a, a tiny little issue in, in the greater picture of your vacation rental property. But once again, it's these small things that make such a big difference. Just to give you the example, there were, on our trip, there were four adults and two children age two and four. Between us, we had three laptops, three iPads, four phones, and a GoPro camera. And I think there were other things that needed charging as well. I think, you know, there were were portable battery chargers that needed charging because we were on the go all the while, so we needed these battery chargers, these portable ones. Um, In the the place we went to in in Cyprus had, um, had a desk with a ton of space for putting everything in one place with uh, you know that that had outlets for the chargers so absolutely essential and if you haven't got a desk make a dedicated charging space somewhere so that you so the guests don't walk into their their space every day and just see wires all over the place because people are finding you know space on the floor there's a, there's a socket over there I'll charge my phone in it what happens is that they leave these charges behind and then you're left with them and they're asking for them to be returned. So just consider, if you haven't done this yet, creating a dedicated charging space in 2017. Now, those of you who, who really listen to the podcast will realize that I went from six to eight in my points. I totally missed out number seven. So I'm going to go back to that one now. Um, what my other learning point from the experience of being a guest is that owners willing to go the extra mile are going to be the winners in a in a an increasingly competitive field and just one little story before i come to the end here um we we were the renters from hell when we arrived in cyprus 
you know, we are we were the guests that you all don't want to hear from. We're the guests that arrive at the airport at when it's gone dark. They've they've not ordered the right vehicles, so we ended up we we we'd ordered a minivan thinking that it would fit all four adults and two kids plus all our luggage. No, it wouldn't. So we had to take a taxi as well. So that was fine. We were we we're out there. It's eight o'clock at night. We're in Cyprus. We're excited. And I turned to Mike and I said, OK, the taxi driver needs the directions. And Mike gets out his phone and then realizes that the directions he downloaded onto his phone are not there. And we don't have a paper copy. And we actually didn't even have the name of the villa owner or the contact name. So fortunately, able to able to connect to the Internet and find that. And I called Andy. I know you're listening to this. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you you were probably I, I, and I and I know you now. You're such a wonderful guy. And and you and Nikki were the most amazing hosts. So I'm sure you weren't shaking your head saying, oh, here we go. Here's the guests from hell. Um, but I just wanted to shout out to you because not only did you not have anything in your in the tone of your voice that led me to believe I had exasperated you by calling and saying, hey, we're at the airport and we don't have any directions and we need to tell the taxi driver where to go. And then when you came back and said, the taxi driver will never find it, so I'm going to come out and meet you in the nearby village. So just, uh, and, you know, that was the extra mile at the end of a very, very long day to find you in that right meeting place. Then taking us up to the villa and showing us around was nothing short of amazing, only to be topped by the fact that when we went back to the airport for a six o'clock flight, meaning we had to leave at just after three in the morning, Andy wouldn't let us get a taxi, didn't think we'd be able to get one. So he drove us back to the airport as a second car. I I have told this story to so many people, not not to say, you know, you don't need to take directions, but just to say, you know, if you're going to Cyprus, you need to go to this place. This is not just a most amazing vacation rental to go to. And it was, you know, I'm, it, it was second to none. But the owners are so attentive and caring and passionate about this business that you won't go short of information. You won't go short of resources. You won't go short of any help should you need it. The owners willing to go the extra mile will be the winners in this increasingly competitive field. So thanks once again, Andy. If we ever come back to Cyprus again, you know we will come back to Villa Carpe Diem. It is, it, it was amazing. And uh, once I get to grips with Instagram, I'm going to be sharing a ton of pictures out there on Cyprus and I'll stay with you. So number 10 really is is me. After 20 years in the business, I still love it. That's a learning point. It always, it comes to the end of the year and I go, and, and are particularly after a really, really busy summer, do I still enjoy this business? Actually, yeah. And with every year and with the more connections I make with people, 
the more passionate I become about it. Um, I love it with a passion and I still learn something new every single day. So that was it. That was my 10 things that I learned in 2016. There were many, many more. There's many more. Um, I, I live, eat and breathe the business, obviously, because my business is in it. So I get up at five o'clock in the morning and I think vacation rentals and I'm still answering emails at 10 o'clock at night and pretty much everything in between. When I get to take my dog out for a walk or I'm on a run, I'm thinking about how to improve my property, how to provide more information to my vacation rental formula members. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to I wanted to announce because I just heard this yesterday and that's that I've been selected to be a speaker at the Vacation Rental Managers Association Conference in Amsterdam. And I'm so excited about that. I can't wait to get my presentation together. I mentioned last week, if anybody's out there going to be in Amsterdam, please connect with me. Let's, uh, you know, I want to um, I want to meet as many people as possible, want to go out to dinner, want to go for drinks. Let's let's do this thing. So get in touch. And and finally, please get in touch with us if you, you know ab about speakers uh, about speakers I've got speakers on my mind um, about um, potential interview guests on the podcast in 2017 um, I've asked this before and I get one or two responses and and I do talk to everybody who's who's interested in coming on the show so so you know if you want to be on you know give me a shout tell me your story it's got to be something people are interested in and and often you don't realize that people will be interested in your story. So give it a whirl. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. I want to wish you all a wonderful 2017 and hope to meet a lot of you during the year. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.